2: Hey guys, welcome back to Believe in Everything Olmiss. Miss. I'm your host, Jordan Dollinger, and thanks so much for tuning in today. If you're listening right now, make sure that you're subscribed on whatever platform you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. If you're subscribed, the new episodes are going to download automatically each week, so you never ever miss one. You can also visit the Believe Podcast Network website at believe.com. That's B L E A V.com and search Ole Miss there, where you will find this show, and then you can listen and download from there each week. So far, there are recaps up for the first half of the Ole Miss season, and today I am recapping game five and six as we are officially more than halfway through the college football season already, if you can even believe that. First, I'm going to get into the game five matchup against Auburn the weekend before last, and then a little bit later on in the show, I'm going to be joined by Matt Perkins from the Believe in Vanderbilt Football podcast to chat with me more about the game six matchup last weekend. Once again, guys, this episode is brought to you by our partners over at Bet Online. If you can't see your your favorite NFL team in action this season. You can still get in on all the action at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. From totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. You can visit betonline.ag/sportsbook to see the game spreads and over/unders for all of the pro games for Week 10 starting this weekend. So go ahead and head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. So let's go ahead and jump right into it, starting off with Game 5. This was a really tough one for the Rebels in the end with a final score, Auburn 35, Ole Miss 28. Quarterback Matt Corral went 16 for 27 for 154 yards. He was also the top rusher of the day with 10 carries for 88 yards. Snoop Connor was right behind him with 13 carries for 75 yards, and On Ely ended the game with 17 carries for 74 yards. John Rice Plumley also came in the game for 8 carries for 48 yards and one snap as quarterback for a seven-yard gain. On the receiving end, tight end Kenny Oboa was the top receiver for Ole Miss with four receptions for 83 yards, his longest of the day for 60, followed by Dontario Drummond and Jonathan Mingo. Both of these guys I mentioned previously that I think are going to start playing a bigger and bigger role in the offense. Um, surprisingly, wide receiver Elijah Moore had a really quiet game with just five receptions for 16 yards. And even more surprisingly, Ole Miss's only fumble of the game came from Moore himself, So the big talking point other than that for game five, of course, is the absolute botched call from the officials on a bouncing kickoff that clearly, without a doubt, hit the hand of the Auburn returner. However, it wasn't stopped to be properly reviewed. And of course, Auburn benefited from this. So here's the breakdown in case you missed any of it and need a refresher on this one. With just under six minutes left in the fourth quarter, the score was Ole Miss 28, Auburn 27. Ole Miss had just scored and kicked off to the Auburn returner, Sean Shivers, and the ball grazed his left hand specifically his pinky finger which you can clearly clearly see in the video replay that it gets hit by the ball and Shivers knows this because he turns to run after the ball but Ole Miss beats him to it recovers the ball in the end zone and of course this should have been an immediate touchdown for Ole Miss. However, the officiating crew ruled that the ball was not touched by Auburn and was instead just called a touchback. It was definitely a close play and watching it live, you really couldn't tell aside from the fact that the Auburn returner, like I said, started running after the ball as if he knew that he had just touched it. Uh, But that's what the replay is for. Yet, there was no replay and the officials didn't even stop the game to take a further look at the play. Auburn ended up scoring shortly after and winning the game. So, tons of sports commentators and journalists have spoken out since the game saying that they clearly see the contact in the video which just further makes you wonder how the officials could have possibly not stopped the game for a review if you guys haven't seen it yet head to my twitter or a quick google search or a quick youtube search for this clip and you will see it it's it's everywhere, and it's so, so very clear. So it also makes you wonder why Auburn gets all of these lucky breaks and very, very fortunate calls just the week before that when Auburn played Arkansas. And trust me, I am not an Arkansas fan by any means, but Auburn quarterback Bonix dropped a snap on the last drive of the game, then proceeded to spike the ball by throwing it backwards six yards and acted like he didn't just fumble the ball, which, of course, it was just an intentional grounding penalty and a 10-second runoff that didn't even matter because Auburn kicked the game-winning field goal on the very next play. But just really disheartening, just like that, you know, the game for Arkansas right before that, this game for Ole Miss was really decided on a blown call, which head coach Lane Kiffin knows just like the rest of us. Kiffin took to social media after the game to retweet and share video of the play in question, which was followed up by a $25,000 fine from the SEC against Kiffin for using his social media to express his frustration on how things were handled. The SEC announced the fine is directly due to kiffin's social media use after the auburn game which violates an sec bylaw related to publicly criticizing officiating kiffin took to social media shortly after the fine to poke some fun at it and ask where he can get his hands on two and a half million pennies to pay his fine with and all we can hope for is that this is indeed how the sec gets their payment The Monday after the Auburn game, the SEC released an official statement admitting a mistake in the way it officiated this game, which, may I add, is the second week in a row the SEC had to release a statement in regard to its officiating. They released a statement about the Auburn spike, fumble, intentional grounding mess that I touched on just earlier. So not a great look, but hey, if anyone listening has a ton of change lying around, hit up Lane Kiffin and put those pennies to good use. After the Auburn game, the Rebels fell 1-4 and on the season, but redeemed themselves for Game 6. Last weekend, the Rebs traveled to Nashville to take on Vanderbilt. And of course, I had to get Matt Perkins from the Believe in Vanderbilt football podcast to join me today to talk about everything that went down. So welcome to the show, Matt.
3: Thanks so much for having me, Jordan. Excited to talk about it, at least with you. I'm not excited about Vanderbilt's performance, but I'm excited to be on the show with you today.
2: Thank you. Okay, so let's remind everyone listening of the final score from last weekend, which was Olmus 54, Vanderbilt 21. Olmis improves to two and four on the season, and Vanderbilt moves to 0 oh and four. Olmis had a stellar game, no doubt, but it was actually the highest scoring game for both teams all season. The best offensive game of the season for Vanderbilt, who was only averaging just under nine points a game up until this one. First things first, was this what you were expecting? Did you have a score prediction going into it, or were you unsure of what? expect coming off of a three-week hiatus and do you think that that time off those three weeks really played a significant factor in the ending of this game
3: So last week on our preview show, we had a Billy Bush who used to play linebacker for Ole Miss um, of the uh, Anheuser-Busch family and Bush family brood. He was on with me and Ryan last week and his prediction for the game was 48-17 and Ryan and I both thought that was about right. And, you know, 48-17 is a, is what, 31 point victory and Ole Miss ended up winning by 33. So yeah, pretty much in line with what we expected. It was honestly a pitiful performance by the Vanderbilt defense they had three weeks to prepare for this game ever since that they had the Mizzou game postponed uh, and they knew they were having a bye week coming up they should have been preparing for Lane Kiffin's no huddle attack and on the first drive of the game they looked gassed and like looked like they were not expecting a no huddle so it was it was very demoralizing as a Vanderbilt fan especially on the defensive side
2: of the ball. Overall, the Rebels finished the game with 641 yards offensively compared to Vanderbilt's 421. Ole Miss scored a touchdown on every offensive drive except for one. And thankfully, but also surprisingly, only had one turnover on the game and no interceptions. Vanderbilt ended with three turnovers on the day. So I want to talk quarterbacks with you. So Vanderbilt and Ole Miss have something similar here in underclassmen quarterbacks, whereas most of the SEC quarterbacks are juniors and seniors. About two-thirds of them actually are upperclassmen. So Ole Miss, of course, has sophomore Matt Corral, who had a record-breaking game last weekend, ending with 412 passing yards and a 91.1% completion percentage passing Eli Manning's previous record. Corral also broke Eli Manning's single game school record with 19 straight completions to start off the game. He also tied another one of Manning's single game records with six passing touchdowns in one game. Backup quarterback John Rice Plumley also got his first touchdown of the season later in that game. Vanderbilt's starting quarterback is a true freshman, Ken Seals, who also started the game off really strong going 10 for 10 for hundred yards and a touchdown right out of the gate. Seals of course, wasn't able to sustain this through the game as we saw, but what are the biggest takeaways from his performance overall and just the quarterbacks in general?
3: I think that Ken Seals was probably the lone bright spot for the Commodores in this one. He set the Vanderbilt freshman record with 319 yards. Uh, he averaged more than 10 yards of completion, which is something he hadn't done all season. He was a- he averaged basically eight yards an attempt, which I also think was the season high. Uh, they were driving the ball down the field a little bit more. Obviously, his favorite target was Cam Johnson, who had 14 catches on 15 targets. Uh, 14 catches is not the record, but it's up there for the Commodores. The problem with that, though, is that he had 14 catches for only 97 yards. I mean, that's seven yards a catch. That's not really going to do a whole lot for you there. Keon Henry Brooks, who is a a freshman tailback, he hadn't he had a, an okay game. If you look at the stats, he only had he had 23 carries for 66 yards, which is basically three yards a pop. But he was also a factor in the receiving game as well. He had 89 yards receiving. He, you know, he looked all right. You know, he he looked all right, but. Uh, Kenny Seals though I mean they were just they're they're playing from behind and so it's just not it's not easy especially on a true freshman quarterback to do that and you know he you know he did not he he was not necessarily not under a ton of pressure from the from the Ole Miss defensive front during the game I mean they only sacked him once the offensive line looked better in pass protection than they have. But I don't know if that's a function of them being any better or just the fact that Ole Miss's defense is uh, not a vintage group, let's say. I, th- I think that what we saw here was just a result of, you know, just, just result of, you know, them being so far behind that they had to air it out that he had to throw it 40 times. That was far and away the most attempts he's had in any single game so far this season. Vanderbilt has been absolutely ravaged by injuries, COVID opt-outs, and now the coronavirus. They're missing they're missing Donovan Kaufman, who has been their best defensive back as a true freshman, also been huge in the return game. He's been one of the lone bright spots and he's been out and now just got announced today that he's going to be out for the rest of the season uh, because of COVID complications and other injuries, which is a real, real shame uh, because he's been, along with Kenny Seals and uh, rusher freshman tight end ben bresnahan they've been sort of like the only bright spots for the vanderbilt commodores this season so not having not having kaufman i think it was a huge blow especially the secondary who uh you know who who couldn't cover elijah moore in a phone booth because i mean let's face it i mean elijah moore had himself an absolute game elijah moore had more yards in the first half uh than uh any vanderbilt receiver had total on the season so yeah so I think Cam Johnson may be over that number now because he had a bunch of catches in the second half but as of that point Elijah Moore had more yards in the first half of the uh, Ole Miss Vandy game than any Vanderbilt player had in the first three and a half games
2: I want to move into some key players now. No surprise here for Ole Miss. Wide receiver Elijah Moore was a standout, catching 12 passes for 223 yards and three touchdowns in the first half. Prior to this game, the Ole Miss records for receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns in an entire game were 14 catches for 233 yards and three touchdowns. Needless to say, Moore passed all of those, and in doing so also tied the single-game receptions record currently held by former Ole Miss and current Tennessee Titans receiver, A.J. Brown. By the middle of the third quarter, Ole Miss was mostly playing with backups. Otherwise, who knows what Moore would have ended with on the day, but he's definitely one of the most exciting players to watch. Uh, what about for you guys?
3: Uh, I was surprised to see Rocco Griffin, the true freshman, get so many snaps at tailback. Mm-hmm. Um, it just tells us how thin they are. Javion Marlowe has been... Uh, who has probably been the best help back so far this season. He wasn't able to play in this game. And, you know, they, they got a couple other guys. They got Chris Pierce involved in the passing game a little bit more. He caught a touchdown. He had four catches for 46 yards. And, you know, he, he's a bigger physical receiver. So I was glad to see him getting involved a little bit more. But again, like when, when garbage time starts midway through the third quarter, I mean, it, it, it's really hard to gauge like how good these guys actually are. So, you know, that is, you know, that's really, really tough. I think that, um, you know, it, it was kind of, it was embarrassing though. I, I will say that the first half was really, really embarrassing because when you come out and Ole Miss just drives straight down the field and then you get back to back off size plays by Dre Mintz, who is one of the, the leaders of, of that defense playing sort of a hybrid outside linebacker defensive end position. He gets back-to-back uh, defensive offsides uh, on the goal line. Second one is declined because Ole Miss scored on it. Then in the ensuing kickoff, they got flagged for having two players on the field with the same number.
2: I'm so they, glad you brought this up because I was about to.
3: They didn't even dress. I think they dressed 68 players. They, they dressed less than 70 players. So why there are two players both wearing number 88. Not even like a cool number. They're bo- not, not like they're both wearing number five. <laughs> they're both wearing 88 it is it is absolutely unfathomable and it goes to show the lack of preparation that Derek Mason and the rest of the staff have it is derek mason like i don't like calling for someone's job but derek mason has to go derek mason has never had a winning season at vanderbilt his teams are, have become more and more woefully unprepared as each season has ensued and at this point you know last year he said that vanderbilt can't expect to go to a bowl game you know, every year there'll be you know ebbs and flows and stuff like that, and it's like if you have that mindset, why are you even coaching? It's really bad. I write for the I write for the J Boy Show blog every week, and you know, I, I last week I basically said enough is enough, and this is even before this absolute hideous display of football that we saw this week it, it, it's embarrassing it's genuinely embarrassing if if Mason is the coach again next year I will not buy season tickets
2: ebbs and flows is a good uh, word for being an Ole Miss fan right mm-hmm. yeah but we
3: all, all we all we've had is ebbs like under <laughs> Mason it's just been a, one giant ebb like <laughs> I'm ready, ready for some flow ebb.
2: this is definitely not the same you know as calling for someone's job but if we're going to call for someone's job I know this is so minimal and I know there's so many bigger fish to fry but this Person literally has one job. And it's really funny because I don't know if he irks people the way that he irks me, but the almost kicker, Luke Logan, is really just been infuriating me. I mean, he missed two extra points in the only field goal attempt of the game. He's 50% on the year, his longest 39 yards. He's missed every single attempt longer than that. Uh, he was 58% on the year before in 2019. He's just incredibly inconsistent and I don't want to say he's he's got to go because he's a senior and he's going to go anyway but he's so inconsistent like if you look at the Alabama game with Ole Miss he was 100 he went six for six for extra points two for two on field goals and then with Vanderbilt he can't perform at all he's he misses his only field goal he misses two extra points like he has literally one job so I was so I was so upset and he just infuriates me ever since that one trick play that went awry a few games back with him I just I can't so you're you're calling for someone's job I'm calling for Luke Logan's I know I can't really do that but I but I am
3: well here's what I'm going to tell you Vanderbilt had to have an open tryout on campus during their bye week for a new kicker because really? they they can't no one can kick so they had a guy named Wes Fairley come on and make his debut and he went three for three on extra points dude he didn't even play high school football so, I mean, that's how desperate they are. Like, Vanderbilt special teams are truly special. They really are. It is, it's so sad, it's so bad, like I, it's, it's so infuriating. It, it's inept, there's just ineptitude from the top down. And the administration doesn't even like, even give them a chance either, which, which is so infuriating. Because the at this point, the AD and the powers that be in Kirkland Hall, which is the main academic hall at, at Vanderbilt, they don't care about any sports besides baseball. And it's really, really frustrating because, I don't know, I mean, Jordan, you've been to Nashville, right?
2: Oh, many, many times.
3: It should be the easiest place in the SEC to recruit. It, it's, it's far and away, like, I'm not trying to be biased, it's the best city in the SEC. It's the, it not, not only is it the biggest city in the SEC, but, like, it has the most fun things to do, like Vanderbilt's a gorgeous campus. It is, like, obviously, academically, it is second to none. and And it's an
2: actual city you know like it's a it's a real city yeah people can argue everyone's going to be biased and say like you know i'm gonna be like oh i love oxford but oxford is a is a college city right there's nothing oxford's
3: a college town athens is a college town like like starkville is a pasture so um like you know like none of these are actually a none of these are real cities like nashville is a real city with real industry and real business and it's you know after probably atlanta it's the hub of the south you know there are so many opportunities not just on the football field but outside of the football field here as well and so it is it should not be hard now i understand the academic standards are tough but we've seen stanford win we've seen northwestern win we've even seen duke have like you know good seasons we've seen we, we've seen baylor win and vanderbilt just you know outside of the blip outside of sort of like the, the f- three or four years of james franklin there hasn't been anything and it's just, it is it is absolutely infuriating. And it, there is a defeatist attitude and an a, and, and acceptance of mediocrity from the administration that is really unnerving. I mean, now they have a new chancellor at the university, or university president. I forget if it's chancellor or president. I forget what his actual title is. Now, he used to be the, the chancellor of USC, not South Carolina, the real USC, during some of their best some of their best seasons and he knows what a good football program can do to an elite private university.
2: I always joke around that my four years at Ole Miss were the absolute best and the absolute worst. Like I was there 2013 to 17, so I was there at the front end where we couldn't win and I was there at the back end where we were all in trouble. But I was also there right in the middle, right, where we actually, I got literally the very best and the very worst of it because it's true. I feel that on a, on a very personal level for sure. All right. So real quick before you go, go ahead and let everyone know listening where they can find you.
3: All right, so uh, you can check me out on the Believe in Vanderbilt football podcast with Ryan Seymour, our social handles at Believe in Vandy. You can also find me on the Illegal Motion college football podcast, our social handle at illegal underscore motion. You can also find me as the host of Believe in Badger football podcast. And you can also find my writing uh, on the J-Boy Show blog uh, at the J-Boy Show. During a Vanderbilt game, you can definitely find me live tweeting the game in, in a lot of frustration. So at Believe in Vandy if you want to see uh, some serious sarcasm.
2: Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much again for joining me. I appreciate it. Of course.
3: Thanks for having me, Jordan. I really appreciate it.
2: Awesome. Thank you. As I mentioned, guys, Ole Miss returns for game seven against South Carolina at home in Oxford. After that, we just have three games left. Texas A&M, Mississippi State, and LSU. I'll be recapping those games after this week, so make sure that you are subscribed and you don't miss out. I've also got some fun interviews coming up with some Rebs in the Pro, so stay tuned for those. Thank you guys so much for listening again, and I will talk to you soon. Hotty toddy.
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done.